0: Welcome to the Daily Bite. I'm your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. Yesterday we saw Stephen arrested, and today in Acts chapter 7 we see the outcome of that trial that leads to his death. And the high priest said, Are these things so? And Stephen said, Brothers and fathers, hear me. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia, before he lived in Haran. And said to him, Go out from your land and from your kindred, and go into the land that I will show you. Then he went out from the land of the Chaldeans and lived in Haran. And after his father died, God removed him from there into this land in which you are now living. Yet he gave him no inheritance in it, not even a foot's length, but promised to give it to him as a possession and to his offspring after him, though he had no child. And God spoke to this effect. That his offspring would be sojourners in a land belonging to others, who would enslave them and afflict them four hundred years. But I will judge the nation that they serve, said God, and after that they shall come out and worship me in this place. And he gave them, he gave him the covenant of circumcision. And so Abraham became the father of Isaac, and circumcised him on the eighth day, and Isaac became the father of Jacob, and Jacob of the twelve patriarchs. And the patriarchs, jealous of Joseph, sold him into Egypt, but God was with him, and rescued him out of all his afflictions, and gave him favor and wisdom before Pharaoh, king of Egypt, who made him ruler over Egypt and over all his household. Now there came a famine throughout all of Egypt and Canaan, and great affliction, and our fathers could find no food. But when Jacob heard that there was grain in Egypt, he sent out our fathers on their first visit. And on the second visit, Joseph made himself known to his brothers, and Joseph's family became known to Pharaoh. And Joseph sent and summoned Jacob, his father, and all his kindred, seventy-five persons in all. And Jacob went down into Egypt, and he died, he and our fathers. And they were carried back to Shechem and laid in the tomb that Abraham had bought for a sum of silver from the sons of Hamor and Shechem. But at the time... As the time of the promise drew near which God had granted to Abraham, the people increased and multiplied in Egypt until there arose over Egypt a king who did not know Joseph. He dealt shrewdly with our race and forced our fathers to expose their infants so that they would not be kept alive. At this time Moses was born and he was beautiful in God's sight. And he was brought up for three months in his father's house. And when he was exposed, Pharaoh's daughter adopted him and brought him up as her own son. And Moses was instructed in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and he was mighty in his words and deeds. When he was forty years old, it came into his heart to visit his brothers, the children of Israel. And seeing one of them being wronged, he defended the oppressed man and avenged him by striking down the Egyptian. He supposed that his brothers would understand that God was giving them salvation by his hand, but they did not understand. Now, when forty years had passed, an angel appeared to him in the wilderness of Mount Sinai in a flame of fire and a bush. When Moses saw it, he was amazed at the sight. And as he drew near to look, there came the voice of the Lord, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, and of Isaac, and of Jacob. And Moses trembled and did not dare to look. Then the Lord said to him, Take off the sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Did you bring to me slain beasts and sacrifices during the forty years in the wilderness, O house of Israel? You took up the tent of Moloch and the star of your god Raphan, the images that you made to worship, and I will send you into exile beyond Babylon. Our fathers had the tent of witness in the wilderness, just as he who spoke to Moses directed him to make it according to the pattern that he had seen. Our fathers, in turn, brought it in with Joshua when they dispossessed the nations that God drove out before our fathers. So it was until the days of David, who found favor in the sight of God and asked to find a dwelling place for the God of Jacob. But it was Solomon who built a house for him. Yet the Most High does not dwell in houses made by hands, as the prophet says, Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord, or what is the place of my rest? Now when they heard these things, they were enraged, and they ground their teeth at him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him, and the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. This is the word of the Lord. Now, this text is really a great review opportunity for you and your children, uh, especially you know, as a parent to be able to share the Old Testament with their kids. A lot of these accounts are things that your kids have some knowledge of, even if they've just done you know basic Sunday school classes. But if you've been reading the Word to them uh, at home, these are things that they probably know several of. So as you walk through this chapter, let them talk about these things. Re- review with them uh, the various sections. See what they can recall. See what they can tell you. As you know, Stephen here shares his faith by talking about the past. That's part of us, too, As we will be able, as we share our faith with others in the time to come, we have to know the story of where we come from, and this is part of it. So let them do that. Uh, in terms of the context here, why is Stephen going through all of this? Well, look at the end of chapter 6, as they brought him to trial. We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. This man never ceases to speak words against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs that Moses delivered to us. So they are accusing him of blaspheming against Moses, which is an interesting statement to make because blasphemy is a thing about God. He's blasphemed Moses. He's blasphemed God. He has spoken ill of the holy place that is the temple and of God's law. And so as you read then chapter seven, you can see him speaking well of all those things. He's going to bring all of those things into the picture. Um, as you talk about Moses, that's going to start, um, let's see, around, that's verse 20. And it's going to go for a couple of paragraphs with talking about Moses. All of this is rejoicing and giving credit to God who was faithful when the Israelites weren't faithful. You have the then the talk about the holy place, uh, starting in verse 44 as he brings up the tabernacle in the wilderness, the first place of promise, then ultimately that Solomon builds the temple, and yet notes that the Most High, that God himself does not need a house that's been made by our hands, Uh, which is a subtle reference to Jesus being the temple, but not really picked up on in the preaching here. And then, lastly, the law, which is, is really thrown at them right at the end in verse 53 that they have failed to keep it. So as you, as you see the accusations, Stephen listened to the accusations and he delivers, filled with the Holy Spirit, he delivers this defense of himself, of his faith. And he begins it by addressing them as brothers and fathers. So for the moment, he, he's addressing them in that way. Jesus says, everyone who does the will of his Father in heaven, you know, these are my mother and my sisters and my brothers. Mix that up a little bit. My mother and my brothers and my sisters. So Jesus connects family with faith. If you have faith in Christ, you are family. And so Stephen is taking a step back for a moment, as we've seen in the book of Acts already, so far as Peter was preaching. And he addresses these guys as family. Why? Because they 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 share the Old Testament God. However, again, we're going to see that that distinction is going to be drawn um, by the church, and that the those who reject Jesus are no longer part of the family. So Stephen is Stephen is door open here, but it's a law sermon nonetheless. As you look at the punch at the end of the sermon, starting in verse 51. So the first paragraph here uh, takes us back to Genesis chapter 12, um, to Abraham, and how he leaves his, everything, basically, that he knew to follow wherever God was going to lead him and take him. Uh, you can ask your children if they could imagine doing something like that. Um, and yet, that is what God calls us to do as well, as we are called to abandon the things of this world, to abandon our cares about this life and pursuits of whatever goals we have, and instead, live to, to serve him, to follow him in what he would have us do, which is love him and love our neighbors. Uh, that they then came to the land in which you are now living is a reference to Canaan, which becomes the promised land, which becomes the nation of Israel later on in history. God did not give Abraham an inheritance, but instead gave it to his offspring after him, though he didn't have any. So who would he have? Who will his son be? What's his name is a question to talk with your kids about. He'll be mentioned in a few verses, but the answer is Isaac there. That they're gonna be enslaved for 400 years, where will that be? That's the land of Egypt. So you can ask your kids again, but God will judge them. So you can talk about the plagues together and you know how many plagues were there? Which ones can you remember? God gave him the covenant of circumcision um, that one will leave up to you how much you want to dig into with your kids what circumcision is. Um, but that was the entry point to the Old Covenant. If you wanted to be God's people, you had to be circumcised. If you're not circumcised, not God's people. Um, women are in on account of the men and their family. So that's no longer the case. Circumcision is replaced by baptism. Not where Stephen's going with this. So we'll leave that for elsewhere in the New Testament that does that, that conversation. Paul picks up on it in a couple of his letters. Abraham fathers Isaac, Isaac fathers Jacob, Jacob fathers the 12 patriarchs. How many of the patriarchs can you name? How many of the 12? Um, Sons of Israel. And then the brothers, jealous of Joseph, sell him off into Egypt. You can have the kids tell you about how that played out. And then Joseph is rescued by God. Well, how did God rescue him? And so then you can talk about how God blessed everything that Joseph did, whether it was serving in Potiphar's house in the prison, or eventually as Pharaoh's second in command over all of Egypt. You can recount that story. Uh, we've moved all the way through the book of Genesis here, as now they move down to Egypt, which is what happens in the last couple of chapters of the book of Genesis. And then verse 17 introduces us to the book of Exodus. Uh, that the people increased and multiplied to the point where this new king who has no idea who they are no no recollection of joseph which likely means he came in from another group um, rather than being born of the lineage of pharaohs um, that this is a change of power in the nation of egypt anyway he is afraid of their numbers so he enslaves them he kills their children he aims to kill their sons but moses is hidden kept alive when Moses is 40 years old after being raised by Pharaoh's own daughter, you get the burning bush. And that starts, paragraph 20, verse 23, so you can talk about the burning, well, I guess that's the next paragraph, actually. So you get the account of him being 40 years old in verse 23, and how he murders an Egyptian in defense of a Hebrew, he gets kicked out, well, he flees, because he knows that the, the the deed is known and pharaoh would punish him so he, he flees for his life he goes to midian has children uh, with his wife zipporah so that's that's one that his fleeing they may not know as well but the next one your children probably do let them tell you about the burning bush as god speaks to moses calls him to go back to egypt and to deliver his people moses life neatly broken up into three chunks of 40. first 40 years are in egypt second 40 years out in the fields of Midian, then he's called back, and then the third 40 years of the deliverance of the Israelites from Egypt through the plagues originally, but then the wandering through the wilderness that followed. So verse 36, you can talk about the various plagues, you can talk about, you know, ask your children, what did Moses do at the Red Sea? What did God do through him? Um, You can talk about the wilderness wanderings together. This is so much of Israel's history that, that Stephen is just flying right through here with them. And they would have been nodding their head. Like, oh, yeah, no, that's true. We remember that. Okay, what are you getting at, Stephen? Where are you going with this? Our fathers refused to obey him, verse 39, but thrust him aside. In their hearts they turned to Egypt And they did that over and over again. If you read through Exodus or the book of Numbers, you're going to see them constantly grumbling against God, constantly wishing they could just go back to Egypt, and at one point being willing to kill Moses and do exactly that if God had not intervened. Um, Numbers chapter 14 for that. So Stephen rightly pointing out their lack of faithfulness. He then quotes from Amos chapter 5, verses 25 to 27, God saying they didn't worship him, but they worshiped their false gods, and so they would be punished by being sent into exile, which happens in 587 BC. Next paragraph, the tabernacle, the place of promise, where God would sit in the midst of his people, and he would speak his word to them. Uh, This is the end of the book of Exodus, where you see over several chapters the blueprint given, and then over several chapters the building of it, matching the blueprint exactly, Then you get them going into the promised land with Joshua, which is the book of Joshua, and how they take the tabernacle with them. Then we jump all the way to the books of uh, Samuel and Kings, as you have David, and David is the second king over the nation of Israel, and his son Solomon ultimately builds the temple, the physical temple for God. Isaiah 66 verses 1 through 2 get quoted there, and then Stephen hammers home the law. So he's He's re- he's rebuked their, their false witnesses against him, and now he hammers them back. You stiff-necked people. So he accuses them. Stiff-necked uh, as a reference to farming, to your farming animal, that if their neck is stiff, it means they're not going to follow your instruction. If you turn your ox's head, then the ox will go that new direction. But if your ox is stiff-necked, it means he's not going to listen to your, your command, your instruction to turn. He's just going to do whatever he wants. So that's what Stephen is accusing them of here. And that's a common accusation for faithlessness in the Old Testament. Then he calls them uncircumcised. So that's the entry point. If you're circumcised, you're God's people. Here he calls them uncircumcised in their heart and in their ears. They might be physically circumcised, but they are not God's people. They do not love God. They do not listen to God. Instead, they always resist God. As your fathers did, so do you. I mean, that's a gut punch right there. That's, as, that's about as harsh as he could speak to them, saying that they have rejected God, which they have. I mean, that's true. And he's going to point that out in the next statement that he makes. You know, which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they, they killed. Now you have killed. You killed Christ. You received the law, but you did not keep it. Very harsh words. But it is a call to repentance. The sinner needs the law. The gospel does no good if we don't recognize our sin. And so he lays down the law calling them to repent. And how do they respond? With anger. Instead of humbling themselves, instead of acknowledging their sin and repenting and trusting in God for forgiveness, they're enraged and they grind their teeth at him. Which is an interesting cultural thing. um, That... I don't know. We, we grind our teeth a little bit when we're stressed and, and perhaps when we're angry. Um, but we don't actually tend to do so in a way that it would get noted in, a, in an event. Anyway, he's full of the Holy Spirit. He looks up. He sees the glory of God in the heavens. He sees Jesus standing at the Father's right hand. And he tells them this and they respond. You can reenact this with your kids if you want to. They cried out with a loud voice stopped their ears and rushed them together so picture that put your you got to hear it first but put your fingers in your ear and ears so you can't hear anybody else and then just start yelling things so that you really can't hear anybody else and then that's what they did and how childish is that um, like the kid that goes la, la 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 I can't hear you that's what they're doing They don't want to hear any more of what Stephen has to say. And instead they're going to kill him, which is exactly what they do. They throw him out of the town. They stone him to death. So they pick up rocks and they throw them at him until he dies. Um, Saul is there. We're going to pick up on Saul, who is Paul, the apostle Paul still called Saul here. And he's there at this point. He's not had that conversion. Instead, he favors this. He's a witness to this happening. Um, among them. Stephen prays, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit, which Jesus will. And then he prays his bold prayer, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Ask your children here, who else spoke this way? This is Jesus on the cross as he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And then the challenge to us is, could we do this? Is our faith strong enough Is our love for our neighbor strong enough that even if they were killing us, we would still want the best for them. We would still want God's salvation for them too. That's a challenge. That's something to wrestle with and talk about as a family. um, Because that's a position of humility, and again, Christ-like, in service to others, that we would give our lives that others might have life. And Stephen fell asleep, which is a reference to his death.